Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Father, we thank you for our time together this afternoon. We give you praise for the privilege and the honor you have bestowed upon us to so freely sit at your feet and hear and listen to your words. We thank you that according to your word, we choose the better part as you have ministered to Mary when you said she has chosen the better part which shall not be taken away from her. Once again, by faith, we ask and receive a fresh understanding of the things that we are looking at in your word. We receive revelation knowledge. We receive your spirit of wisdom. And we thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that receives and understands your word in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody say, Amen and Amen. We are currently on our third lesson in the series of spiritual realities. This is the topic that we are at this present time studying entitled Spiritual Realities. We have done part one and part two. And today we will conclude this series with part three. If you recall, we ended part two of the series in asking the question, if Christ is in me and I am in Christ, and according to the scriptures, as he is, so are we in this world, how come I am still defeated? How come I am still sick? How come I am still anxious, feel fearful and depressed? You remember that question we asked? And we have come to the conclusion that the primary reason, the number one reason we still experience these things is because of our unrenewed minds, meaning that we do not know or really understand who we are in Christ and what we have because of Christ. We have not learned to the full extent how to identify with our new nature in Christ Jesus and allow this new nature to work on our behalf through faith. Many of us know ourselves just after the flesh and not after the spirit. We identify more with our feelings and emotions and with our natural part rather than with our spiritual part of us. 
And this is what the Bible calls carnal believers, meaning that believers who are carnal, according to the word of God, they are governed primarily by the five physical senses. Their faith is based only on what they see, what they hear, what they feel, taste, and smell. In other words, they are body-ruled rather than spirit-led. And the Word of God declares that to be carnally-minded or fleshly-minded leads to death, to depression, oppression, defeat, anxiety, and all of those things. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So as long as we are governed by our five physical senses, we will live in a cycle of defeat, failure, and most times condemnation. We need to recognize that we are more than just physical and emotional beings. And I have mentioned to you last week that your new spirit, your born-again spirit, is never depressed. He is never anxious. He is full of joy. He is full of love and peace. For we read in Colossians, or rather in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23, that the fruit of the Spirit is love. The Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these forces dwell within our born-again spirit. The part of us that is depressed and oppressed and anxious and fearful is the soulish part, the emotional part. And that is why we need to allow the new man within us to govern the soulish part of us and bring our bodies into subjection. Now, the more we identify with our spiritual side, the more we will walk in victory over every circumstance of life. So, the key to a victorious life, conclusion, is a renewed mind, a mind that has been educated in the things of the Spirit, a mind that has learned to think the way God thinks, a mind that has been trained by the Word of God. The Word of God says that all things has been given to us that pertain to life and godliness. All that we will ever need in life to live a godly life, the Lord has provided that for us by His grace. The grace of God has freely given us all things. And Peter tells us that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, through 4, we read the following. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Here Peter tells us that if we want multiplied grace and multiplied peace, the only way we're going to get these is through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord.
So peace does not just come through prayer. It comes through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And Peter goes on to say, as his divine power has given to us, past tense, all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has already given us everything. The word of God says in Romans chapter 8, He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? And here Peter tells us the same thing. His divine power has, past tense, given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then he tells us how he has done that through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So we see that everything that you and I need to live a victorious life, to fulfill God's purpose in our lives, has already been deposited within our born-again spirit. They're not in heaven, those things. They are within us, within your born-again spirit. All that you will ever need, wisdom, revelation knowledge, understanding, spiritual strength, provision, divine health, protection, has been imparted to us through the knowledge of God's Word. And he confirms that by saying, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these promises, in other words, through the Word of God, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we see here how God has imparted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He says he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises so that through the knowledge of these promises, we become partakers of his divine nature. The word of God is the incorruptible seed which produces life the way God has it. The, just as seed is to this natural world, so is the word of God in the kingdom of God. And so he says, plant the word in your hearts, keep it there, and if you do keep it there and water it and look after it and not allow the evil one to steal it out of your heart, that word will produce after its kind, 30, 60, and 100-fold return. The word will produce healing, it will produce prosperity. It will produce divine protection, provision, deliverance, wisdom for life, and whatever else we need or desire to have in this life. So what we need to do as born-again believers is saturate ourselves in the truths and the realities of God's Word 
know the word better than we know anything else in our lives. Jesus said to Martha, Martha, you are troubled and anxious about many things, but one thing is needed, just one. And that one thing that we need more than anything else is the word of the living God. Because there is life, there is victory, there is healing, there is prosperity in the precious word of God. So we need to saturate ourselves, our minds, and our hearts with the Word of God and know the Word better than we know anything else in this world. The Apostle John, writing to believers in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, he, he says to them the following, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. And then he tells them why they are strong. Because the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. He says to them, you have overcome the world. You have overcome the wicked one because the word of God abides in you and that makes you strong. That is the secret of a life that is lived in victory and as Jesus said, life in abundance. We need to stay with the word of God long enough until the seed of God's word sprouts. In other words, takes root in us and the truth of God's word becomes more real to us than our physical senses, than what we see feel, taste, and smell. Now, when the Word of God becomes real, more real than our physical senses, the Word begins to produce after its kind. You see, the Word of God is spiritual, and it connects us to the realities of the spirit world which is greater than this natural physical world. Everything that you and I see, everything that you and I touch and feel and smell was created by the spirit world. So the spirit world is greater than this natural physical world. Or you could say it this way, the spiritual realm is the parent of this natural physical world. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through to 22, we're going to examine these verses very closely in concluding this study of spiritual realities. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 22 through to 22, and I want you to look at that and read it from your own Bibles, gives us the means or the method by which we can do this. Do what? Live in victory. Live in provision. Live in abundance. In, in, in a life that Christ came to give us. And we read the following. Here is the Lord speaking to his children, both sons and daughters. And he says, my son, my daughter, give attention to my words. Incline your ears 
to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all of the flesh. These few verses contain God's recipe for life, for health. So let's examine them verse by verse and look at them closely in studying and meditating these portions of Scripture. The word attend in verse 20 means to give your undivided attention to the Word of God. This verse could be better understood if we read it like this. Give your undivided attention to the words of God. Now, when someone says, listen, I want your undivided attention, that means we are not supposed to be thinking about anything else. We are not supposed to be looking at anything else or doing anything else, but we are supposed to focus directly on what that person is saying to us. That's what it means to give your undivided attention to the Word. And that is exactly what God wants us to do with His Word. He wants us to shut out everything around us. And without any interruptions, our undivided attention given to His Word. And that is what that phrase means, attend to my words. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you. Now, the second part of Proverbs 4.20 states, incline your ear to my sayings. That's very important. The word incline simply means to listen. Listen closely to what I'm saying to you. Again, we could better understand verse 20 if we read it this way. Listen with your ears to what I'm saying to you. God is telling us to open up our ears to what he's saying. Now, it's interesting to note that a person can have perfect hearing. But if he decides he doesn't want to listen to someone who's talking, he can tune him or her out, so to speak. You can tune people out. You hear the sound of their voice, but you are not hearing or listening to what they say. And sometimes I do that with my wife. She would speak, I would nod, and then she would ask, did you hear what I said to you? And blow me, I couldn't repeat what she said. Because why? I wasn't listening. I was hearing the sound of her voice, but I wasn't paying attention to what she was saying. That's why I couldn't repeat what she said, because I never heard it. You got, you got my point now. So, you can actually tune someone out even though you hear the sound of the voice. Now, in other words, the sound or the words, the sound of someone talking goes into your ears, 
but you don't really hear what that person is saying. We shouldn't tune out God's word. And that's what the scripture is trying to tell us. We need to open up our ears. And in opening up our ears to his word, we are closing our ears to everything that's contrary to what God's word says. Do you see that? You can't listen to two people at the same time. It's impossible. I can't do that anyway. Some people tell me that women can do two things at once, but uh, they don't do it perfectly if they can do it anyway. So, so many times we listen to what God says, but we also listen to what so-and-so says. We begin listening to this person or that person, but it's only what God says to us that really matters. It's important for us to open our ears to the Word of God and to turn off everything else so that our undivided attention is on what God has to say. And that is where the victory really is. You see, when you close your ears to outside things, and keep your ears open to the Word of God, you will end up closing your ears to fear, to doubt, and to unbelief. You will shut those forces out. And that's important. Sometimes it's it's not our faith that's the problem. It's the unbelief that we carry with us, together with the faith that short circuits our faith, that one negates the other. But when we make a choice to listen to what God says, to shut our ears to every other voice, no matter what anyone says, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar, no matter who that man is. God's word must have preeminence over every person's word. Amen? And when we do that, we will shut out the world, unbelief, the fear, the anxiety, and the doubt. There, is no, there, there are no good news in this world. Every time you, you turn on the TV, it's always negative bad news. The radio, negative bad news. It's full of unbelief. It's full of doubt. It's full of fear. They will always give you the worst scenario. And that brings in unbelief, doubt, and fear. And that is why the Word of God says, give your undivided attention to what I'm saying to you. Keep your eyes upon me. Open your ears to what I am saying to you and shut everybody else's voice out. If it's not agreeing with the Word, you don't need to pay attention to it or listen to it. I say that because what we hear is very important. Because what we hear and pay attention to is what we will ultimately respond to. What you focus on, you will be full of. And that is a fundamental principle. What we spend our time focusing on, looking at, listening to, we will end up responding to it. Why do you think violence has multiplied in the world today? Look at the movies. Every movie is full of violence. Hollywood spews out 
hundreds and thousands of movies filled with violence, adultery, sexual immorality, all of those things. And if we spend all of our time looking at those things, they may not be evil in themselves or sin, but what we focus on, that is what we will be full of. You see, our hearts have a limited amount of fertile soil. We will either grow the word in us or we grow the tares. It is our choice. Amen. Are you out there? Praise the Lord. Verse 21 says, Let them, that is God's words, not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. That's verse 21. The phrase, do not let them depart from your eyes, does not mean that we're supposed to walk around with our Bible hanging down from our forehead over our eyes. If we do that, we're going to bump into things and we're not going to make it through the day. Amen. But that phrase means that when we are facing the circumstances and the challenges of life and the trials of life, when we are faced with sickness and disease and financial lack, we are to look to the Word of God instead of looking at the circumstances. That's what that phrase means. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Let them what? Let my words not depart from your eyes. Vision, clear vision, prophetic vision is vitally important. So when the circumstances of life, when the challenges and the trials of life come and, 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 and attack us, what that word means, we are to look not at the circumstances, not at the symptoms, but we are to keep looking to the word of God. Hebrews 12 says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the developer of our faith. Our faith can only be developed by the author of it if we keep looking to him. The moment you take your eyes off of the word of God and put it on the circumstances, that is when we fail and fall. That's what happened to Peter. As long as he kept his eyes on the Lord Jesus, he was able to do the impossible and walk on the water. The moment he took his eyes and his attention off of the Lord and placed his focus on the waves and the wind, that's when he began to fear and fear got into him and he began to sink. So we need to keep our focus Keep our vision on the Lord Jesus and on his word. The Bible says that Abraham did not consider his own body. He didn't look to his own weak body that he was 90 years of age, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb that was 99 years of age, but he kept looking at the promise of God and he was fully persuaded that God was able to do and perform what he had promised him. And that is how he received the promise of Isaac. Because he did not stagger through unbelief. He didn't stagger because he didn't pay attention to his body, but he paid attention to the word of the living God. 
And that's what God wants us to do. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Even though the circumstances might not agree with what I'm saying, keep your focus, keep your eyes on the Word, keep speaking the Word, keep acting on the Word of God, and if you do that, you will change the circumstances and cause them to line up with what I have promised you. So, so when we are attacked with sickness, for instance, and we have symptoms in our body, you can probably look at your body and see that an illness is present. We're not denying the, the fact or the existence of illness. But we are denying its right to exist in our body. There's a difference. So we are not to respond to the symptoms. Instead, we are to look to the Word of God who says, you are healed by my stripes, and you have been made whole. He sent his word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. 1 Peter 2.24, Psalm 107, verse 20. And respond and act on what God's word says. So, we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. Many of us have an inward image that is contrary to the true reality of who we are in Christ. We have an image that's been formed through our upbringing, through our school teachers, and through people in the world. They have spoken words over our life that were negative, that were harmful. And many times we have allowed that image to take root within us. And that image may be an image of failure, may be an image of defeat, may be an image of inferiority complex, an image of weakness. That image must be torn down with the truth of God's word before we see the results in our physical circumstances. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. We need to see ourselves as the scripture describes us healed and made whole we need to see ourselves prosperous we need to see ourselves highly favored accepted in the beloved and loved beyond measure amen the word of god declares that we have been accepted in the beloved we are highly favored we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places these words must form images of victory and blessing and favor in our way of thinking and in our innermost being. God has given us an imagination. We must use that imagination for good and not for evil. Amen? Imagine yourself healed and whole and prosperous and favored and accepted and loved beyond measure. Because that is a spiritual reality. That is the truth of God's word. So, and this is what the word means when it says, do not let my words depart from your eyes. So, let's conclude. Paying undivided attention to the word, inclining our ears to his sayings, keeping his word before our eyes, will result 
in keeping his word in our hearts. Our hearts will be full of the word. Having our hearts full of the word, the word of God says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When the word is in the heart and you open your mouth and speak that word, it comes out with authority and with great power. And with that, with that very word of God, we destroy all of the works of the evil one, bringing life, bringing deliverance to us and to those who will listen to what we have to say. So everything hinges on how much of the word is alive and active within us. The Bible says that God's word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. When we allow that word to make his home within us and allow it to come out of our mouth in our conversations, we become the type of ambassadors Christ has commissioned us to be. We spread the good news with our lives, with our words, with our attitudes. We bring healing. We bring deliverance to people around us. And we change the very atmosphere in every place we walk in. Amen. And that is what the Word of God will do for anyone who will receive that Word, who will keep it within his heart, and with patience and faith, allow it to reproduce after its kind. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, let me refer you to the words of Jesus once again. When he spoke to Martha, he said, Martha, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. One thing is needed. And that's my word. Take time to meditate in the Word. Take time to study the Word. Think about it. Think about what God says to you. And allow your mind to dwell on those things which, according to Philippians, are good. They are praiseworthy. Let's look at that verse together. Philippians chapter 4. This is, this is a powerful verse in renewing our minds. Philippians chapter 4, and I think it is found in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things or think on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Here Paul tells us what to think of, what to allow our minds to dwell on. If it's not true, don't think about it. Don't dwell on it. If it's not noble, spit it out. Think on the things that are just and pure and lovely and of good report. If there is any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Remember, we've mentioned this before, that your thoughts shape 
the quality of your life. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts can imprison you or your thoughts can release you into a life of freedom, victory and abundance. Praise the Lord. Well, that's all I have for you today in regards to the lesson. And um, let's pray over it and then we will receive communion and pray over the gifts, the first fruits, the tithes and offerings uh, that and bless them and, and pray over them as we do, as is our custom to do on the first Sunday of every month. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you that in your word you have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have given us exceedingly great and precious promises that by the knowledge of these promises, you have made us partakers of your divine nature. Thus, we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we thank you for sending Jesus, the very living word of God. And through him, you have healed, you have restored, you have delivered us from the hands of our enemies. You have placed us into the kingdom of God. You have raised us up together with Christ. You have seated us together with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So that in the ages to come, Lord, you might show your exceeding great kindness toward us, your exceeding grace, your exceeding kindness and love toward us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For all of these things, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.